What up, y'all? This is the Anime DGEN's Weekly Rundown 19. Let's go. Hey guys, we got another weekly rundown. Uh, today we'll be going over Mashal, uh, episode 9, My Hero, My Home Hero, episode <laughs> 11, Hell's Paradise, episode 10, Insomniacs After School, episode 10, Demon Slayer, season 3, episode 10. Um, one more until the finale, which I'm very excited about, and then One Piece 1065, which is on break slash recap next week. Um, so let's get right into it, boys. Oh uh, yeah. So first we got Mashal episode nine, Mash and the Accelerated Battle. So this time Mashal sits it sits its more unserious tone aside, and we got to look into some of the antagonist's past. Change of pace is good, right? <laughs> I'd say I'd say so, man. I uh, actually really like the change of tone uh, this episode. Um, Sister actually watched it with me, and she was like, "This is this is pretty cool." I was like, "It is never like this." Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "It's usually so unserious." Uh, there's a lot of door jokes and and cream puff jokes, and she was like, "Really?" I was like, "Yes, yes, yes, yes." Yeah, it was definitely nice to get away from the the I, I don't want to say satire, but it's basically satire, you know, and um, get to something more serious, especially with how like deep some of the backstories and our main characters are. I mean, Mash. And Lance especially, and seeing their backstory like in comparison to people who had similar, you know, instances with their upbringing, it was really cool to see how they like foiled that with each of the main characters. Yeah, it was cool, man. Um, but yeah, the episode started with Lance versus Worth, the third Fang. Um, <laughs> our uh, our boy got to play around in the mud a little bit, like a little kid. Um, and like you said, Dan, they they were foils for each other. Um, I thought it was really interesting that way. We actually got to see some good storytelling instead of some uh, Harry Potter references. Uh, <laughs> couldn't say en uh, enough good things about this, actually. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad that it got away from. Oh, uh, not not really glad, but I'm glad that we actually uh, didn't have a lot of humor this time since we're coming in on the end of the season, I guess. So. Mm -hmm. um, I'm glad we're actually getting some decent fights, it feels like. Uh, well, I was yeah. going to say, I'm glad we got the fights, but I'm also really glad that we got more of, like, uh, I guess, like a philosophical battle as well. Not just, you know, boxing, which was cool to see. Yeah, and it was cool how our um, our main cast kind of handled the philosophical differences. It wasn't all hate. It was a lot of understanding, actually, which I wasn't really expecting. Um until this point, it was more like, I'm going to kick your ass because I don't like you. <laughs> so it added some depth to the, to the, to the plot a little bit. And uh, the backstories were, were kind of sad. They were unfortunate, I should say. Um, yeah, now we're just copying Demon Slayer. Everybody's got a sad backstory. <laughs> oh, my gosh. At least nobody's family died. I kind of I got a little worried, though, uh, when they was fighting. Because, uh, you know, it seems like the antagonist... Um, has all these flashy moves and all these different abilities and stuff like that throwing at them. 
But then you got like Lance, Lance Crown, and most of our other protagonists that we uh, watch. Um, they use the same move over and over, like Explome or or Graviola, you know. And then it actually went even. It, it did. It did. Uh, like halfway through the fight, I think he started using different moves other than Gravioli. Or whatever the hell it's called. So, uh, yeah, so that's a good pasta dish. <laughs> we, I was just saying, we, we got granola and ravioli right here, guys. Yeah. So uh, I was I was happy that they actually dove into it and gave him some more moves to play with. Because at that at that time, I was like, man, they're making the antagonist like look cool with all these different moves and stuff, and they're Thanks. making their protagonist one trick ponies, you know. So. Well, I mean, when your magic is gravity and you don't you don't need another move like you just like pound people into the ground, you know, like it's it's a it's a wrap usually after that unless your man's made of mud, I guess. Yeah, hey, Lance did switch it up a little bit. He he put the gravity on the wall. It was going sideways this time. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's when I was like, OK, now we're doing now we're seeing some different shit. I like this. Yeah. Okay. Lance was getting in his bag a little bit. He was. Um, I was really, really excited. So they introduced introduced second form of magic, which is basically just like your Bankai from Bleach. And I was like, oh, this is badass. We're turning it up to 11 right here. Yeah, it was like <laughs> ultimate moves, it, it seemed like. But go, going back to like the like philosoph- philosophical differences, uh, Worth was saying that, you know, you're more of a product of your environment and what you hang around, which I think can be true in some cases. But I really liked Lance's perspective on it. He said, I, I have so much inner determination and my goal is so set that I, it doesn't matter what is around me. And I want, I want to know what y'all thought about those two different sides of that same coin. Yeah, I always think the uh, nurture versus nature debate is very interesting because uh, I can't go into too much detail on it, but I definitely think it's more of a 50-50 than people think with everything like that. So I thought it was interesting that they kind of brought that into this. Like, you know, it's who you're around, who you're raised by, who you're raised with, stuff like that. When in reality, like Lance said, your inner determination can, or like your inner person can really get you past any of that or not. You know, it's really interesting to see either way. Yeah, I think it just depends on the person, uh, you know, whether or not, uh, you know, you become a product of the people around you or if you can, you know, push past that and be your own person, you know? For sure, for sure. Yeah, I've always thought, like, uh, you got to have your own goals. You got to know why you're doing something. You have to have your own why. Um, it's it's normally like a interview question. Why are you doing this? So you, why do you want this job? <laughs> and you all have your own different reasons for doing what you do and doing what you love. But I think it is important to surround yourself with good people at the same time. Um, 100%. Being around successful people or, I mean, well-mannered or whoever it is, whoever you choose to be your friends, it, it does affect you. It kind of sets your, I would say, like your bar. Yeah. But at you the can same live time, up to it or not, you know? But at the same time, you know, some people can't really choose uh, who they're around, you know, early on. And yes. it's up to them to, uh, uh, you know make make a person out of themselves instead of uh being a product of a bad situation too so very true very true another cool thing that we saw and it kind of answered some questions for us worth showed us like this vial of the magical essence and they're actually extracting that from the students and that's why they're losing their magic 
And I, I called it. If y'all don't remember, I, I actually <laughs> called this one and I said that they were trying to power themselves up. I thought they were just giving it to the second Fang because I thought he was magicless. Turned out not to be true, but I knew they were extracting it for their own use at, at the very least. I figured for sure it was Lang Dorm, so at least we got that part right. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it had to be. They're absolutely the villains so far. Yeah, I think it would have been really an interesting move to introduce another villain group during the middle of all of this. If it wasn't Langdorm, that'd be kind of crazy. So I'm glad they're sticking to what, you know, makes sense. Because, like, I know we were introduced briefly to, in, or was it Innocent Zero? Yes. Last episode. So, like, if he just showed up out of nowhere during this big, like, dorm brawl, I'd be like, okay, wait your <laughs> turn, you? buddy. Get yeah, to the well, back. We'll see you next season. <laughs> I was about to say, they're going to set that up for us for next season. A hundred percent. Uh, one one question I got though with all this uh essence, like the magical essence being removed, and it seems like the people actually lose their magic forever. Do you think they're gonna kill them? Like since that's they have a no good magic. Question. That's a good question. I was. That's the main reason I was worried about lemon. Because we'll didn't get... didn't uh didn't Lance say that uh, his sister was gonna have to die? When she lost all her magic, right? Something like that? Yeah, yeah that's why he's trying to ch save his sister. So I think they do actually get killed if they lose their magic, which is such wild. bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, though, I mean, if they can, if these guys can power up by drinking the magical essence they steal from students, why can't the students who lose their magic drink the same thing and get it back? You know, maybe like, I don't know, they can figure out some way to do that. I'm I'm pretty sure the the grandmaster can step in and like probably re magic them. I don't know the right <laughs> word for that. Uh, yeah, but... just grab the grab the sharpie, draw a line on their face, call it a day. <laughs> yeah, that's what mash does. So I mean, they're already the magic school. They, they they can fake it the rest of the way, like mash. <laughs> but I, I I was thinking at least for Langdorm, it seemed like it would be a temporary boost because otherwise, why would they need that many people's magic unless they're just trying to be completely op, which would be on par for them but i think it's a temporary boost so do you think the the reason why they're going this hard on stealing all the magic is because the grandmaster is out of town oh yeah yeah i don't think they'd be getting away with this if he was if he was at the uh, school yeah it's a good time to do it for sure <laughs> i don't think they would do it uh, otherwise though so. yeah i don't think he's fuckwithable no. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Old man Unless Dumbledore, you don't fuck with him. Unless you're Mash, though. <laughs> he doesn't care. Our man does not care. But yeah. yeah I, I, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, are we moving on from the uh, Lance fight? Are we going to... Okay, I just want to bring up one more thing. Um, I really thought the whole concept of it, not just your upbringing, but also the whole concept of a person's worth was really interesting to dive into. Um, basically, you know, uh, Worth was saying, it's funny that his name is Worth as well, um, <laughs> was saying that like a person's worth just basically is the determining factor of how successful somebody's going to be. So anybody in his eyes with a single line on their face is kind of just trash. But you get Lance and Mash and everybody else who like are very against that ideal. So I thought it was really interesting that they brought that up. Yeah, it was it was cool to see. And it, it was it was good that they kind of like clarified his his thought on what your magic means to an individual. And like you said, it is pretty funny. His name is worth. <laughs> I literally just noticed that. 
<laughs> they're, they're they're not being very creative with the names. Uh, I will say that. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised movie. the show's not called Smashel. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> and uh, I ain't gonna lie, uh, our boy Worth, his uh, his drip was, you know, he was dripping, bro. Oh, he was clean. Yeah, she was clean. I, I was sitting there saying that out loud. I was like, "Oh shit! Oh shit! Look!" At like when thing. I first seen him, I was like, "Man, is this Gojo over here?" Like that's what it reminded me of. You know mm. when you know the little pitch uh, video that we keep seeing for JJK two. Yeah, Gojo just strolling along with the little you know round uh, glasses and shit shades. So cool. But yeah, moving to Mash's fight with the second Fang, uh, Abyss Razor. We finally got to see what that whole eye was, and it was the eye of the devil. And mm. the reason that they called it that is because it can nullify people's ma- magic. Um, he can nullify anybody's magic in a fight, and that is obviously frowned upon in a world of magic. And I thought it was kind of funny that his parents just kind of like it wasn't funny, it was tragic, but his parents <laughs> like locked him up, and then like when he was like 10 or something, his mom came to like strangle him out. Uh, very dark for this show did not see that going there at all but i thought it was a pretty easy solution to where they could just gouge out his eye or something if it's really that bad watch it why throw away the, the you know the baby with the bath water um, whoa 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 let's 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 not go so far as gouge let's just put a let's just do like kakashi does just put some over his eye bro but it's but still were, there dude yeah they were gonna kill him i mean that's gouging somebody's eye out is way better than just we'll just cover it up right him. Hey man, the ta- the taboo of being born with the eye of the devil, man. You're you're not getting away from that. So once people know he's he's a pariah, there's nothing you can do about it, you know. So oh, I think okay. in this world, that's they had the right idea. Just because I mean, even if you gouge it out, who knows if he still doesn't have some sort of magic nullification abilities, or what if his other eye just magically turns into the eye of the devil? You know, like you don't know. The other eye, then I'm <laughs> just hey. throw him out on the street or something. I mean, I don't know. Give him to somebody that wants him. <laughs> I, That's I, why he I, went to Langdorm. I did think his backstory was really interesting because it was like the polar opposite of Mash. Because while Mash was cast aside for being magicless, old grandpa over here, you know, found him and raised him with like dignity and like taught him how to be a good person. Where Razor was just locked up key thrown away basically like you're you're dead to us and it was really interesting parallel there yeah and it actually explained why when abyss met mash and kind of instantly knew he was magicless and he said you're like me and now we know that he meant that as he sees that some people in this world just shouldn't have been born that's what he thinks about himself and i guess that's what he thinks about mash as well because they, they, they live in a pretty cruel world they really do. It's really messed up. <laughs> yeah, man. It's it's, well, it's it's just run by fucked up people. You know that's how it goes. But his magic was fucking cool. Yeah, the little speed arrows. That was dope, man. That was dope. And I, what do you guys think about Mash getting like just cut to bits and not caring, and like it not really affecting him? Like I thought that was a little. I thought he should have struggled a little bit more. At least like moving around after being slashed with a sword dozens of times. I mean, if 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 this wasn't Mashal, if this wasn't the show that, you know, that's like does this type of shit all the time, um, then I would be I would have been concerned because their man literally was gushing blood from the stomach at one point. His the the sword actually went all the way through him mm-hmm. to the other side, 
And then after that moment where he grabbed him and said, got gotcha and hit him back, headbutted him. Um, it no longer existed anymore. Air man's got re air man is Guinea, bro. Oh, dude, yeah. he just, he just flexed it up, flex, flex the abs <laughs> and the sword couldn't come out. I was like, all right, this is mash. We're back. <laughs> <laughs> it was I ridiculous. Mean, if it was any other show, bro, I'd been like, nah, bro, this shit's whack, but you know, it's Mashable, So it's what we expect. It is what it is. So. <laughs> and uh, Abyss actually showed MASH the device that was extracting magic. And that's when they actually explained that Lemon has about 30 minutes until her magic is completely gone and gone forever. I thought, and, and I think the, the nurse's office thinks that this is like a temporary thing, but I, I hope that they can get all the magic back to these kids so they don't get a... Thrown to the wolves is what I'm going to say. Yeah. Don't want to off a bunch of students. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not, I was going to say something dark. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> I'm not, not going to do it. But then again, maybe, maybe our boy Abyss Razor, he's just, uh, he's just bullshitting right now. Maybe he's just doing that just like Lance did the uh, mash, you know, when he threw the, uh, the bottle over the side of the mountain and used gra gravity magic on it, you know? Maybe he's just bullshitting to get something out of MASH. So, I don't think so. With how loyal uh, Razor Abyss is to Abel, I think he's dead ass serious, honestly. Like, yeah, I don't I think don't he think has he... a reason to lie at, no. at, at this point. But I think that loyalty also has been shaken by MASH because, they, I mean, he's probably the first person that treated him like an actual person instead of a tool. Like what Abyss was saying, he's like, you know, this is my sole purpose. Purpose is to serve him because this is all I have. This is the only person that will accept me. He sees me as useful. And that's why he goes so hard for Langdorm and for uh, Lord Abel there. And MASH even went as far as to say, is like, you know, if you need to talk sometime, let me know. And like, we can definitely be friends, bro. I, I'm not going to say I was surprised by it, but it was it was something cool to see. And I, and I hope that they can get Abyss over to their side at some point. Yeah, I also will say I really liked Abyss's design when they got that mask off him. He was a cool-looking character. Yeah, yeah. And also some uh, symbolism to end the episode. We saw Abyss's mask crack even more when it was laying on the ground. So I think, I think he might turn at some point. I really do hope so, and I think so. They didn't put that at the end and show that for no reason. Do you think he's going to get another mask, or do you think he's going to embrace itself now? I think he'll embrace himself a little bit more. I think Mash gave him okay. some confidence, man. Okay, I see. I, I I really hope that he does away with the mask. It will it would make it a little bit more interesting as far as uh uh his character goes. So I don't know if you can just show up to class with an evil eye like that though. Might ask, might might get some questions going and some teachers pretty scared of you really quick. I mean, they're yeah. already scared of him. He's he's one of the like lupus. Said, so eye patch, bro. Get an iPad. You cool like that, bro. <laughs> That's awesome. not a bad idea just for him living his life, actually. That's not as cool as that mask, though. That mask is fresh. Hell no. Nah. Hell no. Nah. <laughs> awesome. You guys want to get into My Home Hero? Let's do it. Uh -huh. So next, we're going to talk about My Home Hero, episode 11, called Father. So Tetsuo wakes up from his nap to some unexpected visitors at the door. He hears him picking the lock, so he goes and hides in the closet. 
Hopefully he can use his words this time instead of a rice maker. <laughs> We're back in the damn closet, bro. Oh, God. That shit killed me. Yeah, we gotta change his name from Tessio to R. Kelly, dude. <laughs> like, I don't know about y'all, but like, if I hear somebody like trying to pick my door and shit, I'm not running to the closet. No, like, I'm, going I'm meeting to the him at the door. door. Yeah, you know, like what? What's your problem, bro? I'm, <laughs> Get your yeah. ass out of this house. <laughs> I would be pushing furniture left and right, left and right in front of that bitch, putting the chair <laughs> under it. You know, like right. I thought it was an odd thing for Tetsuo to do because like that's his daughter's apartment. He thinks he's cleared his name already. Like, why did he go hide? It was more yeah. suspicious that he hid. Yeah, I mean, it would have been better if he had just, like, opened the door and be like, can I help you, bro? Yeah, what's up, dog? <laughs> can I come in? Hell nah. Get the fuck up out of here. <laughs> who, the, who do you think you are, bro? Shit. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have his crony behind him either. Mm-mm. Well, he did at first, remember? Yeah, but he, he, he told him to go away. Yeah. But, I, I mean, if he would have opened oh, the yeah. door, Oh, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, he, he unlocked the door for him. There, so. Yeah, he probably would get his ass beat. Never mind. It's <laughs> like... So I guess right before we got to that scene, we picked up right where the last episode was with Kyoichi calling Matori to tell him, like, hey, I've been framed. I'm 99% sure. Like, this is Tosu, Tosu Tetsuo. He's the man behind this. He killed your son. Uh, and he kind of gives, like, you don't see it really, but he gives, like, an overview of all the reasons, you know, as he's recollecting them. And he says, like, hey, I was in there with an ALS light. I didn't get to check the bathroom. And when I first went in there the first time, I recall a cleaner being there who was actually Tetsuo. So that's why they go to the apartment. And um, unfortunately for Tetsuo, Matori has a real ALS light, <laughs> not like a black light. You would buy it like Dollar General. <laughs> so you're, you're worried. Like, he's like, oh shit, is he going to see some stuff? But he goes in the bathroom and just recognizes that it was very clean, like too clean for something that you shower in daily, you know? Yeah. Just gets him thinking, like, oh, maybe it was clean. I don't know. There's not enough evidence here. And then he goes in the living room, and sure enough, there are blood stains all over this place. So you knew something went down there. A thousand percent. It was messy. <laughs> and like you said, and then Kaizen went behind Tetsuo and did like a deep clean of the place. And like you said, the bathroom was spotless, um, too spotless. But do you guys think? they actually clean the living room or do you think it's because it was on wood that it wouldn't wash out? I think wood, it would be hard to clean that shit out of wood, bro. Cause it, it absorbs it, you know? Ah, that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. I guess I was wrong when I th- thought that bleach might be able to take away blood stains. So, uh, obviously not. They, <laughs> or they just bought cheap bleach. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> not enough but, uh, oxidizing power. It was clear as day once you saw it. And I was like, oh, I feel like Tetsuo should have thought about this beforehand. And like known what it with all his detective and like murder mystery novels and stuff. He reads like you would have thought he would be like, oh, I should get a light to see if it's still there. Mm-hmm. Or at so least should... put a fucking rug down by guy. Well, yeah, yeah, I think he had a little one down, right? And it at just the door. it all up. <laughs> at the fucking door. It was to like to wipe your feet off. Um, and but before this scene, while... Um, not Nabuto, but Kiwichi is telling Matori about why, who he thinks killed uh, Nabuto. Matori got very angry and like threw a, tentr- a temper tantrum in his office. It was odd to see him like that. Did you guys ex- expect that out of him? He's been very stoic uh, throughout Ooh. this whole series. 
We seen it. We seen him throw a temper tantrum earlier in the season, though. The same. Uh, I don't. I don't remember why, but he done. He done about the same exact shit, though. Right. I don't remember. I, I don't remember that. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he was throwing shit, like sweeping shit off his desk and stuff. Uh, after he talked to, I think after he found out, uh, Kyo, uh Nobuto was dead. So, if I remember right. I could yeah. be wrong, but which is more uh, understandable yeah. then. That's yeah. his, that's his son. Yeah, but yeah, homie's unhinged. I was not expecting that at that <laughs> level. No. no, and I was still a little scared for QHE when he said, "You know, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm going to destroy whoever it is, whether it's you or Tetsuo." I was like, "Oh shit!" He doesn't really believe him, um, or he at least has to go do some investigating. But yeah, he's a little bit more, like you said, unhinged than what I thought he was. A little bit more emotional. I, I, I would like to think that. A uh, grown ass man doesn't tear apart his whole office um, <laughs> regularly, at least. Uh, I mean, maybe it's not. It's not like he's gonna be the one cleaning it up, bro. He's gonna that's have his lackeys point. do it for him. So that's a good fucking point. That's true. <laughs> but yeah, very. It was unexpected, I guess, and I wasn't expecting the episode to start with that. So it started off with a pretty big bang, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but going back to the apartment, you know, after Matori sees all these stains, he notices them on the closet door as well and he's shining the light at it and he kind of realizes that there's somebody hiding in there so Tetsuo comes out and basically admits to it which I didn't ex- I did not expect at all the man I, bowed down on the floor and everything I'm like bro what are you doing get your I, ass up <laughs> I thought that shit was so stupid like you've involved your wife in this whole whole plot you've been keeping this up for a whole week you've gone through God, you know, everything. Um, and God knows what to to keep this secret. And then now when you kind of like see him actually crying out for his son, it's like this is when you're gonna have a change of heart. I all the you work think he's gonna be merciful drain, to bro. you? You killed his son. Yeah. I think he's more trying to protect his family in that sense, and maybe he can go down as the sole guy and protect them. But we obviously find out that is not how Matori plans on doing this thing out. Um there is like a minute long monologue of all the terrible, terrible things he's oh. going to do to his family. And it had me like a little scared. Like it this was dude's, very, this dude is unhinged. Yeah. He, I mean, he came up with that on this. Well, he had probably been thinking about what he was going to do if he found some, found the murderer. And it was not great. It was yeah. not great. It's, it's probably the worst possible things you could think of to like do to people. <laughs> oh, gonna yeah. Do them all in succession and you're going to watch. Yeah, he's no. talking about fish hooks in your eyes. That way, you have to watch. <laughs> so, yeah. shit. I mean, it's going to be a little graphic right here, but he told him that he was going to have his underlings rape both Kaisen and their daughter. He was going to tear their flesh off while they're alive. He was going to make Tetsuo watch with fish hooks in his eyelids so he can't close them. He was going to decapitate them and make him look at his family's like heads. All before even doing anything to him. So like this is, this dude's a fucking nut. <laughs> yeah, he said he was gonna put nails in them while they were alive, cru- literally crucify them, like lay them up on a cross right in front of them and skin them. Did y'all expect like uh, this show to go that deep into uh, an explanation of what he's gonna do? Hell, depiction. Nah. No, Hell I, I mean, like I thought it was cool. I mean, obviously it's really <laughs> fucked up, but like. I, I enjoyed the fact that he made Tetsuo listen to all of that, and that's what made Tetsuo flip out, you know? 
Because mm-hmm. Tetsu had this crazy change of heart. He was like, call the police. I'll turn myself in. We can end this. And then Tetsu was like, oh, hell no. If you're going to do this to my family, like, I'm now coming at you. Yeah, now yeah. I got to fight. My little nerd ass has got to fight now. Which. Yeah, it was wild. Uh, and our boy Matori was just like, police? <laughs> no, 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 police. <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> handle this on our own. A, a court of law, bro? I'm a gangster. <laughs> <laughs> it was a. Uh, What'd y'all think about this fight scene? Uh, what, what'd y'all what y'all rate this? I, I was laughing the entire time. <laughs> I thought, I mean, I would expect more from Matori, honestly, because you know he is uh, kind of like a head honcho of like a faction of Yakuza. But we have known for a while that you know he says that he's not made for that. That's why he's got his lackeys, blah blah. blah. So it was really funny to see two average. Uh, non fighters, uh, trying to kill each other. So basically, <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought it was funny. Just like all right off the rip, even when Tetsuo was like bowing to Matori, and it's like groveling on the floor. He's he like goes in his uh, suit pocket, and he's like, "Don't you fucking move! I'll shoot." I was like, "Why wouldn't you just pull out the fucking blicky, bro? He knows you don't have a fucking gun." <laughs> he did have pepper spray though, and that shit sucks. <laughs> That shit sucks. <laughs> oh my god! It does. You know. You know what? You know what's even funny though. Like the the part where uh, it gets into his eye from like the mist coming back at him. That shit's happened to me before, bro. Just playing around with pepper spray and it just blows back into your eye, and I'm just like, oh, bro, it's just so horrible. What were you doing playing around with pepper spray? <laughs> well, I wasn't playing with it. My, you know, my sister and them was playing with it they was acting like they was gonna spray each other and it just got in all of our eyes bro oh i was gonna say <laughs> i'm pretty sure like if you're gonna carry pepper spray you at least need to be pepper sprayed once like that is my opinion on it yes. oh it's bad and uh, i've been pepper sprayed and like dude that shit lingers for like 30 minutes like you're just sitting there with your eyes watering you can barely open them like it is terrible do not rub them like oh yeah no it makes it much worse i I made that mistake i've also been pepper sprayed the best part of this fight is that they're basically both fighting blind because they can't see shit so their eyes are (laughs) out the time but i will say the animation for this fight scene was pretty rough (laughs) yeah it, it was it wasn't great i just thought it was funny how like they were just fumbling around pretty much in the dark because they couldn't see um and how beat up each other were getting and you had like uh Matori trying to call uh, Kubo on the phone and Tetsuo has got like his elbow in his fucking face. It was just so clumsy compared to like any other anime fight I've seen. But I think I think it done a real good job of showing that uh, uh, these two aren't made for fighting and and this is what happens when uh, people are at their limits and are trying to struggle for their lives though. I think 100%. I think it done a pretty good job of that. Yeah, it did, actually. I mean, this is what a normal fight would look like. Yeah, especially between two... 50-year-old men. <laughs> Bunch of <laughs> nerd fight. Or <laughs> in a nerd fight. <laughs> but I, I was laughing. I, I probably shouldn't have been laughing because it, it was supposed to... It was, you know, meant to be more serious fight or situation. And I, it just had me laughing, bro. Yeah, same with me. It was it was funny to see like you go from something like uh, 
Hell's Paradise, which I had watched right before this, where they, I mean, they, you know, they, they really box in that show. They, like, everybody's about it. And everybody has like special abilities and they're cutting up uh, all the different monsters. And then you see two old nerds just kind of like rubbing elbows, trying to get it done. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's such a, a slap fight. Yeah. But uh, is this, is the next episode the last one or are there two more? Yeah, it's finale next oh. uh, next week. Thank God. I'm so ready for some fucking closure. Yeah, same. And Tyler, you were saying um, after you watch this, you think they're kind of ruining the show. Uh, well, yeah, why did you so, think that? Like, uh, I don't know. It's it's hard. It's hard to explain. Like, it it feels like all the shit that we've watched, you know, um, is is no. It means nothing anymore. You know, after what just happened today, and then. Uh, like what's gonna happen? Like it's it's basically starting it over again. Like if if Tetsuo kills uh Matori, then like it's the whole thing happening again, and it's the same stuff happening. He was in the closet, you know, all that stuff. It's literally a repeat, you know. I I, I just don't I don't know, man. It's it's we'll we'll see how the finale goes. Yeah, so. I, I was kind of hoping he was gonna go back to the rice cooker. Or you know, at least a, at least a soup pressure cooker or something that would have been uh, fitting, I think, uh, it, it coming full circle. But then, how does he explain that away? Yeah, well, it's like I said yesterday. I think like the last episode would have been a really good episode at the end, and the anime on like plot wise. Mm-hmm. And if this was this was like say this was the finale, and it kind of just went into the emotional ma- aftermath and everything between like Tatsuo and Kaisen and all that. I think it would have been a really good ending, but like if they're, I don't, I don't know what the hell they're going to do next episode, but like if they just end it with like Tetsuo getting killed and his family getting killed and moving on, I'm like, this is, this is fucking a waste of my day. Like waste yeah. of 12 yes. weeks, you know? Mm-hmm. And that, that's, that's kind of how I feel. Like depending on what they do with this next episode, I mean, two options, you know, either Tetsuo dies and his family dies, like Dan said, or Tetsuo kills Matori and it's it's like the same shit happened again like it's like i mean well what's gonna happen well don't uh, forget it's, guys. it's gonna be a major cliffhanger again like you're gonna leave us on this note like what happens after that you know i, I just don't know either way it's probably gonna be i i don't have high hopes for the finale so i mean i think uh the criminal organization and Tetsu we're gonna go to jail the downstairs neighbors heard all that rumbling going oh, on yeah, between right. the nerd fight and the police are knocking at the door right now. And that's the cliffhanger they left us on. I think the law is going to get involved and this is all just going to fall to pieces. And I don't know, man, that, that seems like a horrible ending too. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah <laughs> I don't see how they can bullshit. make it worth our while in the next, in the, in the finale. I think, I think we're going to be disappointed one way or the other. I don't see how they can make it up. So yeah, unless he can basically try and prove that he was being framed for this from the get-go and that he's been basically being, like, attacked and haunted by this organization for a week now. So the only way he can get out of it, I mean, we'll see what happens, but it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a lot. I think it had a really good ending in place, and I'm kind of disappointed with where it's going, but we'll see how it ends. I can't can't say anything until I've seen the finale. Understood. I'd say if, if they would have left it at, uh, you know, him framing Kiyochi and it being done, I would have been, this would have been okay. It would have been like a six maybe for me, like six and a half. 
it would have been you know pretty fun but it, i don't know i don't i just don't see it uh staying at six or six and a half for me uh unless they do something wild next week so Tyler said it's gonna be hard mid hard mid yeah. Hard mid. It's been hard mid this whole time for me, but dude, like through episode like four or five, I was actually really interested. Yeah. But like, I think like episode maybe five or six through now, it just kind of seems like they're dragging it out. And then they went past the end. I think they realized they uh, needed 12 episodes out of this bullshit. Well, I guess here's like the thing to it though is every crime show I've ever watched, it's like one to three episodes for like a plot like this. And then they go on to the next one, you know, like if you watch Criminal Minds, it's like an episode or two or three. And then that's right. it. You know, it's not freaking drawn out over a week <laughs> and a half. I mean, it is drawn out over a week and a half, whatever, but they. It's summarized quick. quick. It's done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Might not Absolutely. just might not be a show for me. <laughs> cool. Well, we'll see, guys. Let's get on uh, Hell's Paradise. So, guys, this is Hell's Paradise, episode 10, uh, Yin and Yang. Uh, this section of our Hell's Adventure centers around discovering the Tencent's weaknesses. Uh, most of our cast finds out about a new power, and we're trying to see if it holds the key to victory. So just to start out the, with the episode, we have uh, Gabi Morrow uh, just came down from the cliffs and fighting the, the yellow-haired Tencent, and he gets rolled up on by, uh, by the, uh, the Blade Dragon and Fuchi, his, his uh, Yamada clan uh, handler, and Gabi's ready to go. Like, he, you know, he sees that uh, Tamiya is hurt as well. He notices his hand is no longer there and he can't really fight with that arm. But the Blade Dragon also sees that Gabi Morrow's pretty beat up. He just uh, <laughs> was on the edge of his life a, a few moments ago. And they get ready to attack and Fuchi kind of steps in and says, no, we're not doing this. This is completely needless. Um Neither one of you can really fight to your full potential right now, and I, this is just pointless violence, which I thought was really cool of him. We haven't seen a Yamada clan member step up in that way and stop any fighting. They haven't cared about the criminals enough to do that. So, a little bit different. You, you think it's because uh, they're so close to finding Tan? I think so. And think you think so. he's like, okay, we don't need to fight amongst each other. We need to, you know, help each other defeat, you know, these Tensons and stuff. This is as close as we've ever been. So, well, yeah, they I, weren't aware of the Tenson until Gabby Morrow told them, correct? Like they had only seen the Soshin. That's true. That's actually true. Um, I think uh, they. Tommy they, actually states that. He's like, why haven't I seen any Tenson? I want to fight strong people too. That's the only reason he's there. Yeah. I think I think that they are aware that uh, uh, Gabby Mario and them was on the verge of something big, though. Right. I think so. Yeah, and I think Fuchi is also a he's a scientist. I mean, the dude loves to dissect shit, so he's looking yeah. for something fun to cut open. <laughs> yep, yep, like yep. Gabby um, But he brought up a similar situation to like um, who is it? Who's the the nerdy looking Emoticon Senta? With wanting more information, and he knew he could get it out of Gabimaru, especially that weird, like, little girl behind him, all that kind of stuff. So he's like, we gotta we gotta get some info out of this guy before you guys deck it out, but in the end, uh, Gabimaru gets down on his hands and knees and basically says, hey, we should team up. Like, you're strong, I'm strong, let's figure this out. And we get a little bit into what Dragon's uh, motivations for being there are. And I fucking like this guy as a character. <laughs> he seems like one of the more sensible people in this show. You know, he knows he has to retrieve the Taun and, and Fuchi's going to make him do so. 
um, especially in his weakened state, not having an arm. But yeah, he says, yeah, I, I want to live forever. That's some epic ass shit, bro. I want to be a legend. And hey, that's fair, bro. If you really think the elixir of life is here, go for it. So I, well, I thought it was really good motivation. I thought it was interesting on his part, though. He said he wasn't interested in being immortal because that's boring. He wants to live on in the history books. He wants to be the person in a legend that that's right. passed down through all time. And I think that's a really cool motivation. He wants to be immortal in the sense of he was a legend, which I fucking love. Yeah. And I, I was uh, I was kind of confused, you know, when he first said that he wanted to be immortal. I was like, why are you saying that in front of your handler? Like, you know, your handler's not going to, you know, fall for this shit. And then, you know, he went on to explain it, you know, that he doesn't really want Tan. He, he just wants to fight some incredible monsters and, and, you know, be labeled as a legend, like you said, Dan. And just I, wants I to be the shit. goat. Yeah. Just yeah. wants to be the goat. Maybe I should work on my reading comprehension. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, I mean, that's a pretty good motivation to be here. And uh, that makes me like think of the, bob marley interview where he goes you know my, my my riches is is life forever because you do live forever i mean we still talk about like alexander the great and i i like to say that you know every man dies once but only some of them die twice and you die twice when you know no one says your name anymore so that was actually really smart of him um to live to try to live on in that way but yeah we also saw in this scene may kind of she got older. She like morphed and got older and could like talk a little bit finally. <laughs> How'd you like the talking, bro? <laughs> I thought it was fucking hilarious. She was she was getting her point across with such few words. It was very efficient. That's what I'm gonna say. Definitely. Yeah, it was just kind of weird to see it happen like that. Cause like I wasn't expecting that at all. Hell no. Uh, I, I I thought it was funny, <laughs> just her trying to convey what she what she wanted to say in like one word, uh, set portions. I guess one word sentences, <laughs> trying to you know portray what she wants. So I did think it was kind of interesting though. Like I I'm really curious how she ended up in that childlike state. Um, I'm not sure if the Tencent did something to her or like if she was like. I know we thought that maybe she was like banished from the Horai portion of the island, which mm -hmm. is why she's living out in the second ring. So like maybe when they did that, they like um, limited her ability to channel Tan or something like that. That way she is in the forever state of a child. So I'm really curious on that. Like, are we just going to see her just keep leveling up? Because that'd be fucking cool. So uh, I, I have a theory on this. I think that they originally tried to make eight Tencent. And there was only so much power, and the eighth was a dud, and that was May. And then they banished her, and she couldn't absorb the power from uh, Horai. And once she got so close to Horai again, and that's why she kind of like leveled up a little bit and now can talk. So I think the the Tensen as a group are pretty arrogant. We kind of saw that when they were kind of talking to each other; they were arrogant even amongst each other. So if any of them is imperfect. They would probably just say, get the fuck up out of here. So. I can definitely see that. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, but it was, uh, she was talking about, you know, she was trying to convey a message of like naval, uh, lower body, and, and the Yamada clan member, Fuchi, was kind of like, okay, what about the naval? And they were talk, trying to talk about martial arts, and she was like trying to 
figure out a way to explain yin and yang or opposites. She was saying weak, strong, light, dark. And then she said Tao. Tao is power. And they were like, oh, is that something that we can use? And they kind of figured out that she was trying to explain, like, I have a power to teach you or I, there's a power that you guys need to learn to beat them. Because she's obviously not a fan of these guys, uh, the, the Tencent. But we also saw some of the other characters use and I guess not use, but get introduced to the concept of Tao. We had um, Hoko explaining to Yuzuriha, Senta, and Sagiri about Tao, and he actually can talk. So he was actually explaining it's, it's something that they would call yin and yang and that it's a, a life force. Every, you know, Tao, like chakra, flows through everything and every living being has it, but you have to learn how to utilize it. Yeah, definitely. We, I was going to say, we also got a really interesting discussion from Senta during that portion of it, too, which I will get into. But um, it is cool that they're starting to kind of lay the groundwork. And it's interesting to see that each of these three different groups, because we have Gabimaru and Dragon, we have Senta, Sagiri, and with Hoka. And then we also have the two brothers who had just crawled out of the pit. And it's all coming together. So I'm really excited to see these three groups converge, put all the information together and just go to town on these fucking tents. And I think that's, what's going to happen. Yeah, I think so too. Um, my favorite part of the episode was kind of seeing Chobi again. And he kind of realized that maybe their weakness wasn't in their head. Like it is with people, you know, you can give somebody a concussion or knock them out by hitting them in the face or the jaw or something. And he was like, they always grow from bottom to top like plants. So maybe their weaknesses in their navel and him just putting that together on his own was really, really cool. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed his, uh, uh, them putting that in there and showing his aspect, you know, side of point of view compared to May trying to show Gabby and, and, uh, Hoko trying to tell Sagiri and them. So it was yeah. really interesting. Yeah, and I think it's really cool that we're getting introduced to all this information, but nobody else is putting it together. I really like when shows do that, where, like, you have an idea of what's going on, but, like, it's from three different viewpoints. So, like, it'll be exciting to see it all come together. Yes. Um, one thing that I thought was especially cool is it seems like uh, Xion already uses Tao because he's blind and he knows, you know, where people are. He can, he can sense their, their what he calls wavelengths. And everything emits a wavelength that, that he can like see and recognize. And uh, that's how he attacks people. That's how he perceives the whole world. So you have one group that's learning that this is a power system. You have one group that's learning the concept behind it. And you have um, Chobi figuring out some weaknesses just in general, just from his own knowledge. And then you have Xion um, that could actually use it. So if these groups, all these groups come together, it's going to be dangerous. It's going to be really fun to watch, man. Definitely. And I, I, I really don't like that. Uh, you know, three or four or five episodes ago, I don't know how long ago it was, where they made a big deal about uh, Gabby Mario's village coming to the island. And here it is. We're almost to the finale. I think we got uh, uh, two or three episodes left, and we still haven't seen them. It's like they disappeared. No more talk about them. Nothing. So. Yeah, that's a, a good point could be a season two thing i'm not sure i mean this manga ran for like 120 something chapters so yeah. we're definitely not getting it done it's definitely not gonna be done after this one um 
it's just wild that they brought it up so early when and then didn't done nothing with it. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, that could have also just been uh, one of the Simon just basically trying to fuck with Gabimaro. We don't know. It could, yeah. True. That is I think a good point. My favorite part of this episode, though, was Senta kind of like questioning this whole fake religion thing. I was super fascinated by that because I've been talking the whole time we've been watching the show about how I love how they're blending all these different elements from various religions throughout Asia. Mm-hmm. And Senta, I thought it was just like, a, you know, like a storytelling thing. I didn't realize that those religions actually are fully exist in this world and people have studied them like Senta has because he's putting it together and he's sitting here like, dude, this is like a giant fucking pyramid scheme. Like, What's going on here? Like they're just pulling shit from left and right and putting it into putting it together. And I thought that was super interesting. They even brought up a criminal who I'm not sure if he was part of the original group. But he was convicted as a criminal for basically trying to create a cult to take down the emperor. And he did the same thing. So it's super interesting to see from that viewpoint what this show is actually, you know? Yeah. I mean, he was saying, Sita was saying, like, it was just, it seems like all these different aspects of these different religions um, are, like, very haphazardly thrown together on this island. He even went as far as to say maybe this island is man-made. I don't know if if I believe in all that, but... It'd be crazy if it was. It'd be absolutely nuts. Yeah, I, I mean, how you would do that, but you know. I don't want to say man-made unless somebody just showed up and found Tan, and then they're like, "Oh, this is my shit. We're making a cult, baby." Yeah, and and I and I guess like maybe if you have a high enough understanding of Tao, you can create things because it is life force. So that it could it could be that or the Tencent are actually just his followers that he has given power to. And there's a big baddie we don't know about yet. You know, it, that could be it too. I'm not sure. Oh, that'd be mad spicy. Yeah, oh, that'd be mad spicy. It's interesting. Uh, I, I would actually enjoy it if it was, if they made it into being man-made. Because uh, then it would make a little bit more sense about every, everything that's happening, you know, on this island. So, Yeah, yeah. I, I, I did want to ask you guys one question. I know we're coming to the end of this episode. But we, we already know about like elemental attacks, uh, at least with Gabi Maro, his Ascentic Blaze. Uh, do you guys think that's like related to Tao or is this like a completely different power system? Like, what are y'all's thoughts on that? I, I haven't quite decided um, because they are creating things like, you know, elemental things. I'm sure if he uses fire, some people could use water and earth and bullshit like that, different elemental things. But two power systems, one, uh, one show? It could, I think it could be similar, like lead from the same energy force, but not taught that way. Cause I mean, if you think about it, Tao is very similar to chakra and that's what you use ninjutsu with. So like maybe the combination, or at least in Naruto, but like maybe it's the same idea, but just taught differently. So it'd be interesting to see. Yeah. I think that it really made this show more interesting to me. And uh, I think it has an avail- ability to, well, the potential to kind of like rise up on my list, I guess, in my in my rating. Do you think Gabby Maru knows how to use Tao, or do you think, or do you think he's, uh, like, do you think he's a unknowingly using Tao, um, to fight, like, dodge attacks and shit? You know, we see him dodging and uh, assessing the battlefield. You know, kind of like Shion does. But do you think he's like unknowingly using it? Um, 
Yeah, I think he probably has like a, a basic grasp of it. And like he was taught by his ninja master in a way that that that's different than how May and the Tencent use it. Like yeah, Dan, exactly what Dan was saying, actually. That's what I think. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I think he just he might know how to like channel that energy force through ninjutsu, but he doesn't know how to channel it in the same way that Shion does with the waves to actually see the flow of Tao. I mean, that was something they learned way later in Naruto was like how to actually see and like understand the flow of chakra. Unless you've got magic eyes, of course, but we haven't seen those in the show yet. <laughs> uh, one thing I don't I, I don't want us to, to to miss hitting on is the Doshi uh, that, that kind of pulled up on Toma and Chobi and then also Gabi Mara's group with uh, Tamiya. Um, the, the Doshi are like kind of like the servants of the Tencent. They're, 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 they're direct reports. And he was using Tao on Chobi and that's how he figured out he was blind. He's like, there's a huge spot on his head where he can't sense anything and he actually kind of pieced him up pretty good because of that so that that's something else that i think we need to look out for and uh a little uh, another element of the story yeah definitely i thought it was cool that basically the sochen were uh failed attempts at making doji so i thought that was interesting to see too yeah, that slug face dude was really creeping me out i have like an irrational fear of like slugs and snails <laughs> And like him and having that that fucking weird ass face, my skin was crawling when they first showed him. I had to like look away. I literally looked away. I'm so oh. afraid of snails. Slugs and snails don't bother me. It's the leeches, dude. <laughs> leeches See, I don't bug have a big me. Problem with leeches, uh, even oh. though they're probably they're actually way grosser than slugs. Yeah, I've never had a slug latch <laughs> on to me and like. So you but. say you say you don't you don't you don't mess with Sonata, bro? Dude, Katsuya. <laughs> freaks me the fuck out i ain't gonna hold you i'm not, not even joking a little bit bro there was one time we went to i think it was the zoo when we were younger uh, i think it was, i was like five or six and there was like this massive fucking snail and they wanted you to touch it and i just cried uh, that shit scarred the fuck out of me yeah, oh, dude. dude still working through that i was gonna say you can never move to the one you can never live in the one piece world so thank god you didn't pick that actually yeah. didn't you pick one piece yeah he did snails. Yeah, bro. Yeah. I just won't use a fucking snail a snail phone. Goddamn. <laughs> He's like, I don't I don't need the Den Den Moshi. I don't need the Den Den Moshi in my they life. They got little stick ones that aren't actually slugs. I can do that. Oh, they got a little snail on the top. The little the little the tiny responders. Yeah, they have a tiny snail on top. <laughs> That's I, you know no, nah, probably I probably wouldn't use it. Fuck that shit. <laughs> <laughs> you would just be a hermit, bro. <laughs> <sighs> Okay, let's let's get on the insomniacs after school. <laughs> I don't want to talk about slugs anymore. Fuck this. Shit. Like this. <laughs> all right, all right. So uh, we're moving on to insomniacs after school, episode ten. I think uh, the way you're supposed to say this is Spica, a Virgo, right? Is Your that, guess is as good as mine, big bro. I guess I'd, I'd guess Spica. Spica. I don't know. Bass was in the astronomy club, he said. So I, I don't I know anything about know. the spike of a Virgo dog. <laughs> I wasn't studying the stars like that. <laughs> okay, well, it's uh, it's time for MCs to head to the countryside to try and snap some pictures for the Starry Night Contest. They're being joined by a guest, though, that has a lot of interest in their relationship and who is none other than Big Sis Magari. You know, uh, so... I think we uh, open up the episode with, uh, I think, 
Kurashiki and Nakami visit Magari's house, right? And they uh, they get to they're trying to I guess um, fill out all the forms and such for the trip, and it's their first time Nakami meets Big Sis Magari. What y'all think about that scene? I thought that scene was funny. I thought that scene was funny. Yeah, it, but, it definitely was. I, I laughed, it's, but especially since you know she come down and she was like, "Are you kidding me, uh, Isagi? Isaki, you you have a guest over to the house and you give them tea. <laughs> you won't even give me tea, bro." <laughs> Her big sister is like your stereotypical big sibling, and I found it really funny. Definitely. Uh, I also thought it was funny that she was borrowing all uh, Asaki's clothes. Yeah, the little, <laughs> <laughs> the little shirt pool has made him so uncomfortable, bro. I guess I would have been too. <laughs> she bad, dude. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know when she come down the stairs and uh and uh, Nakami, you know, had that face on him. He just looked at her with his mouth open a little bit and all. You know, that, that's that's how we feel too, bro. To my big <laughs> sister Magari. <laughs> yeah, and she just like stared at him. And and he didn't know what to do. It, it took him like maybe five seconds to be like, "Halo, my my name is Nakami." It's like, bro, pull it together, bro. Get your shit together. Ah, uh, good old Ganta, baby. <laughs> I love that shit. He was just standing there with his mouth open. I'm like, bro, <laughs> come on, you can do something. Be Don't be that awkward. Bro, what's he gonna do? She's like seven years older than a man. Like you got, or actually not that old. She's probably what, like four or five years older than him. Yeah, probably four or five. Yeah. Yeah. I always forget that, like in Japan, you go to college. Like I think earlier than we did. Like yeah, I think, think college I think they was go like, at like seventeen. Yeah. But I'm trying to think, where do we go next? I guess Ganta's. I guess Ganta's Kurashiki house goes to Nakami's house, bro. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> this one. This one's a little bit darker. The uh, the, the the first scene is much more laid back. Uh, Nakami gets to gets to see a bra for the first time. Uh, it doesn't know what to do. But when we go to his house, it, it, it it's much more somber tone. His father kind of seems like a bit of a, a downtrodden man, and uh, he's talking about kind of uh, Nakami's past, and it is pretty sad. Like he kind of goes into the reason he was like walking on his shoes, and he wouldn't ask for 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 uh, bigger shoes. Um, he actually got in trouble for that for school for stepping on the back of his shoes. Well, I don't know why the teachers just don't check and see if his shoes fit anymore. Whatever. They're not doing their jobs. Typical. Um, <laughs> um, and then we learned that Nakami's mom actually like just abandoned the family while he was sleeping one night. So we kind of get a little bit of a reason why he has a problem sleeping. I don't even know if he knows that, but that's probably it. I would say so. I'd say I would say it's a big... Uh big issue with him sleeping and also a big issue with maybe not asking for shit because maybe he feels like that's what run his mom off for some reason. Uh, to, I would say. <laughs> yeah. He's, he said before that his dad kind of like overdoes it when, with like giving him things to kind of like make up for, he feels like he's trying to make up for his, his mother leaving. Uh, he's trying to be like both parents, which I, I could definitely see that. Yeah, I was really interested in that scene actually because it gave us the backstory. Because we've been we've been curious about it the entire time. Like we were like, "Oh, did his mom get sick and pass away? Like, did this happen? Did this happen? Did she, like car accident? Who knows?" No, she's just a bum. 
it turns out she just left and didn't give an answer and was just gone like that, which is really sad. Actually criminal. Actually fucking they, criminal. I wish they would uh, they would dive into it just a little bit more, you know, and give us a little bit more reason why she left and what was her reasonings behind why she left instead of leaving it just like a mystery, like, oh, she just abandoned us. Like, I, nah, I don't I'm, really try, I'm trying to put her in jail that. if I if I'm if I'm big Nakami here. Uh <laughs> you you gonna pay some back child support or something. It's going down. <laughs> Fuck all this bullshit. You gonna leave me in the middle of the night and leave your son? That's that's fucked up. That's really fucked up. Yeah. Um but yeah. That I that was pretty much all that came out of that scene. And then we kind of switched to uh Nakami working at the arcade, talking to Yui, and she's really impressed with how far along. He's come in such a short amount of time. And I thought she she gave him some really cool advice. And she's like, don't focus so much on the night stars and just start pressing, you know, the shutter button when you feel a spark in the world. Which is <laughs> I think it's really good advice for a, a photographer. That's that's fucking awesome. You keep your camera on. You never know what you're gonna what you're gonna see. Um but this kind of translated to him almost taking a picture of Nakami when they're over by uh, I think it was a river. And she's talking about the yeah. uh, cherry blossoms on the trees. And he kind of just, he gets the spark. And he pulls up the camera and it's actually, it makes, in his mind, makes all the trees blossom. And he's he's looking at all the leaves falling down. I thought it was a really cool scene. Um, what did you guys think about it? Uh, well, going back to the uh, arcade, though, I really yeah. enjoyed uh I really enjoyed when she got like kind of shy and embarrassed or whatever, and she held up the cat. Oh, <laughs> I laughed my ass over that. That was cool. <laughs> I I did like how she called him his little protege. Basically, I was like, oh, yeah. she's really invested in this kid, which is really great to see. I mean, she gave him a job, everything else, but like she genuinely cares for him, which is really good to see because he doesn't have a lot of people in his life that do. So it's been really cool to see more people come around Ganta and actually be a part of his life and stuff like that. Yeah, he definitely needed it. Um, he didn't have many friends or people to rely on. And you, you need that in life. It takes a village to raise a child. And going going back to the uh, the cherry blossom scene, I thought that was really cute. Uh, um, I don't really know why he didn't take a picture because, uh, you know, I mean, might as well, bro. Even though it's not like in your head, you know, might as well take take that picture, bro. She's still looking cute over there, you know, for you, you know? Yeah, I do think that he kind of just got lost in that moment and just kind of, like, realized what was happening. His head was like, oh, God, I gotta I gotta, I gotta, put this down. <laughs> <laughs> Let me chill the fuck out right I quick. Get, I gotta calm down, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking teammate, teenage hormones were getting the best of him right there. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so they finish up in uh, Kanazawa and they make their way on their journey to this little, like, bumfuck town that her grandma's got a little uh little house in and uh Haya's nice enough to give him a ride there so they don't even have to take the bus which is nice um and you know i think Haya the entire time in the car is just kind of looking in the rearview mirror like i see what's going on here i'm, yeah. I'm picking up what you're i'm picking up what you two are putting down <laughs> and uh she starts pressing them when they get you know to their grandmother's house and it, it led to some really great scenes in my opinion yeah i really enjoyed it uh, another thing that we forgot to mention is back when uh, uh Nakami first met uh Bixis Magari, uh, she's basically said that she lies about every everything, and uh, she was like, 
oh, by the way, I'm coming on y'all's trip. And, uh, and the comedy's like, is that another lie? And that shit had me cracking up, too. Yeah, I thought that was funny. <laughs> he was hoping that shit was a lie. Yeah, well, what was the name? What, what did she say her name was? It was like Cloudy McFloat Down the River or something like that. Oh, yeah. I was like, what the fuck? Stupid, bro. And the comedy's just like, what? Haya is pure <laughs> chaos, and I, I'm here for it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, so they... Oh, go for it. Okay. Um. So yeah, they get to the grandparents' house, and and Haya has some devious plans. Uh, she's pretty much just trying to embarrass uh Magiri this entire time in front of uh Nakami, and it's it's like you said, it's it had a lot of good moments. My one of my favorite moments was when they were eating. Um, Nakami made some food, and he calls. He says Magiri, and Haya's like, "Well, there's two Magiris here now." And he like makes him address her in her like more intimate, informal name. Saying somebody's first name in Japan is you have to be very, very familiar with them. As as, as I, that's what I would say. And he was so embarrassed. And high, I was like, oh, I'm loving this shit. Just like typical, you know, older sibling bullshit. I've definitely done this to my sister before. Just like embarrass her in front of her love interest and shit like that. It's it's fun. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. So. It, and, uh, have you have you done this to your your younger siblings before? That's all I do, dude. Yes, do <laughs> yes. <laughs> I even do it to my older sister. Oh, perfect. <laughs> I do it to everybody. It doesn't even matter. Yeah, that, yeah, that's true. That's true. He said, "If you're friends, friends, family, it doesn't matter, bro. I'm gonna everybody try to embarrass you." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm the king I've of the, the king that. of the one liners. Chirps, <laughs> chirps for days. He's I have a lot of chirps. Bro. I, I toned down the chirp in a little bit on the podcast. You guys don't see it. <laughs> he, he really does, and he still chirps. <laughs> yeah, I toned it down though. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah. So after after lunch, basically, uh, Ganta is like, "Okay, I'm gonna go out and explore. I'm gonna find some cool spots to take pictures." And you get a nice little montage of him going around this little island town, or not island town, but this little town, you know, right in the ocean. It's very pretty. And he ends up at the shrine where he texts um, Sasaki, basically like, hey, I'm up at the shrine. I'm going to try and take some photos. You should come up if you're awake. And um, we think it's going to be Sasaki coming up, but it turns out to be Haya. And we get a really good scene here when it comes to the emotional development of our boy Ganta. So he handled that shit like a pro. Yeah, um, he did. But I I do want to go back to the scene where uh, Haya, well, uh, Isaka is napping, and Haya actually is drawing a bunch of shit on her face, and she like wakes <laughs> up. She's like, "I'm heading to the shrine." And she's like, "No, the fuck, you're not." <laughs> she says, "Stop looking at me." <laughs> yeah, I, just drawing a bunch of shit on her face, bro. Oh yeah, it, it was she, phenomenal. She looked like our boy. Uh, what's his fucking name from One Piece? Kitetsu. Uh, yeah, like like the full on mastron on his face on her face basically. I was cracking up. Yeah, no, that was a that was a funny little scene. But yeah, Haya actually ends up uh yeah, heading to the shrine first and they have a pretty pretty deep conversation. He, he and she kind of asked uh Nakami about like the you know the nature of their relationship. And Nakami's pretty pretty straightforward. He says all the right things. He's like, Yeah, she's she said uh, that I'm special to her, but He's like, I don't want to take that the wrong way. So I'm just kind of like waiting and seeing what's going on. And that's what you would want to hear if, if somebody was messing with your little sister. It's like, you're being very respectful of, of her uh, feelings and emotions. 
And he said, you know, you know, uh, Isaki is really cool to to her. I mean, to him. And uh, I thought there was something interesting came up, and Haya said it was she told Nakami not to get involved with Isaki. And I don't know that she fully explained it in the episode, but why do you think she said that? Uh, so. F- I mean, I think she she got into it pretty well, but she didn't necessarily say it. She was talking about how uh, Isaki, with all her health problems as a child, was always pampered and pitied. Mm-hmm. And he's like, if that's why you're here talking to Isaki, like, get the fuck out of her life is what I thought was implied. Gotcha. Gotcha. But she goes into their childhood a lot and talking about how, you know, there was some flashbacks to a scene in elementary school where it was a race and basically you know isaki's getting her ass kicked because she's like half the size of everybody she's got half a heart to you know to pump and um everybody slows down and grabs hands so everybody gets first place and that just like destroys isaki um magari in that sense where she's like i hate this i don't want to be treated like that i want to be treated like a person and that's why we come to find out that high is always like bullying and messing with her is because she wants to make her feel like a person so like she she became one of like my favorite characters in the show based on that scene alone yeah it was the same for me yeah it was definitely the same for me she is a great big sister and you we saw in the flashbacks where she was like complaining about you know how they were taking care of um uh magiri in like such a like tender way and she was like and in each time that the, her parents told her it's like hey I, we just need you to be a good big sis right now she would shut up so she has a really good heart even though she's kind of like messing with magiri a lot um it, it, it's cool man she's got some good people around her for sure yeah and uh i ain't gonna lie um your boy over here cried a little bit in the uh, racing flashback so there at the end <laughs> it got me <laughs> Got you, got you. Our resident softy doing yeah. a softy thing. Yeah, it was pretty sad, you know. She, she just, she just wants to be normal, bro. And nobody wants to treat her normal. They want to treat her like she's special, which I mean, she is special. But good, good shit for Big Sis Magari. You know, uh, even though she probably takes it a little too far at times, you know, in her bullying, you know, because we all do it, you know, to our siblings. But uh. You know, she treats her like she's normal. She treats her like she has nothing wrong with her. And uh, good shit for uh, Nakami, too. He's, uh, you know, I think he answered that question uh, prompt very well. You know, he was like, uh, you know, not one time have I ever felt sorry for her and pitied her. I think she's cool. I think she's awesome. So I, I really enjoyed uh, the shrine scenes. It was, it was one of my favorites of the uh, whole episode uh, uh, show. I was going to say, of the whole show, yeah, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, yeah, and and I kind of, I actually really identify with uh, Magiri, uh, kind of feeling that way. I've, I've had a health problem in the past, and some people do pamper you, and it was like my best friends that were like, bro, in short, they said, I don't give a damn. <laughs> but it was like, <laughs> you know, like they, they cared, obviously, but they're like, we're not going to do this with you, bro. And I was like, oh, finally somebody, <laughs> you know, like, it, so I, I felt where she was coming from it. You know, you appreciate the people do it, but it doesn't always feel good. They, um, they like, they like, bro, you're alive. You, yeah, you're like, getting like, treated you, the same way as usual. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you're, you're still bass, bro. Like yeah. we're going to continue to give you shit. And I was like, yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's This is good. Definitely. And uh, towards the end of the episode, after we see this whole 
foot race scene back when she's in like, you know, the kindergarten or whatever, you know, uh, Haya actually tags in, physically tags in to Kami and says, hey, you know, this is this is your job now. I'm going to let you handle this. <laughs> and Akami's like, okay, sure. And then she gets in the car and he's like, wait, wait, what do you fucking mean by this? What is my responsibility? <laughs> and she just fucking drives off. And uh, Magari's like, good fucking riddance. Get the hell up out of here. <laughs> and I, yes. I, I just think it's, it, they have a great relationship. They might not even know it yet, but they have a great relationship. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So Haya basically was like, oh, hey, my boyfriend called me. I'm fucking out of here. Good luck, kiddos. Don't do nothing I wouldn't do. <laughs> so... I mean, I, I think this show has like uh, three more episodes, I believe. But I wouldn't mind for this show having a second season, honestly. Just of the adventures of Magari and Akami. I'd have to see how it ends before I say anything like that. Yeah, I know you, you, love, <laughs> no. you love following the day-to-day -day stuff. But I think like if it ends with like a really good ending, like same thing I said about Buddy Daddy, just let it be. It was good. I mean, this is yeah. this is probably the best slice of life show i've watched because it doesn't have all that super tropey crap in it yeah hot dive is killing it bro this time yeah I, I was very skeptical of this um even by like episode four or five i was still very skeptical i didn't kind of understand where this was going they introduced the astronomy club but kind of seeing our mc's relationship develop and seeing some of their family and and the friends that they're getting from this has been really cool uh this is a good intro to slice of life for me yeah there's not a lot of screaming so big fan of that <laughs> yeah yeah man <laughs> i feel like they don't focus a hundred percent on the romance either i think they put a fair share into the astronomy aspect so it's yeah, well, pretty accurate as far as i can tell well that and it's a bunch of high schoolers so like when high schoolers are like obsessed with finding the person they love and are going to spend their whole life with it's like dude you got a lot of other stuff going on so this is really doing a good job blending it in casually yeah, like. that's that's it right there. You hit the nail on the head. Uh, that's the reason I'm liking it. They got other things going on except other than trying to like hook up with each other. That's not their main goal. Yeah. Awesome. We ready to get into the Slayer of Demons? Yes, sir. <laughs> so this episode is simply called Love Hashira Mitsuri. And whew, <laughs> we got a great introduction to her actually fighting. This episode, which is fantastic. So she totally just steals the show. And she shows us how a super, super yoked Hashira should handle an upper moon. And uh, this, this this is my favorite Demon Slayer episode of all time. And y'all probably know why. <laughs> <laughs> the title says it all. I'm not giving them those accolades, but it was a good episode. It was phenomenal. It was definitely the best episode of the season. I don't want to hear no bullshit. Um, I love Mitsuri. Mitsuri's fucking awesome. She's so cool. Yeah. She's actually just so cool. Um, we got a lot of backstory from her, and, but the, did you guys peep those like pre-credit scenes? Scene, I should say, with her just going crazy. I was hyped. I, I was like a lot ver ass. verbally hyped. Hey, our, our girl is not just a pretty face. You know, she's she's more than a pretty face. So, I love you mean pre-opening song, right? Not pre-credits. Yeah, sorry, I meant to say pre-opening. Okay, yeah. I was like, wait a minute, what are we talking about? No, here? not, not like, pre-credits. Like, yeah, pre-opening. That shit was clean. That shit it was. was. Like, woo! That was an animator flex. <laughs> that was hundred percent an animator flex. They're like, no words, just Mitsuri. 
UFO table, dude. They're great at animation, that's for sure. Oh my god, man. Yeah, I really enjoyed this episode, but you know, Mitsuri is boxing hatred the fuck up for most of this episode. Um, I thought it was funny when like hatred called her a shameless tramp and she was just so taken aback. Uh, I, I feel like in like a lot of animes when someone like insults them and like during a fight they don't really take it too serious she was like yo that, that was that was rude dog why would you say that and I, I thought she was gonna like break down and cry but she she did she got on her boss bitch shit and started slashing him up after after, he, <laughs> after that she's like you know that i can't think of him as a kid he's just a tiny uh tiny demon so. They 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 kept on referring to him as like a kid, but I guess I guess it makes sense maybe because his statue was so small, uh, in that body. I'm assuming is why oh, they yeah. was saying it. I mean, he looks like the same size as like Tanjiro. You know, he's not yeah. like a big scary demon. I mean, he's scary as fuck, but <laughs> he's not like you know some monster that they're fighting. Um, I really liked hatred too. I think hatred has probably been my favorite uh form of Antengu so far. I like yeah. joy. I like joy. I just enjoyed that person's, that demon's presence on the show. Uh, it's like laughing it up, flying around being a harpy. I thought it was, I thought it was just a cool design, but yeah, hatred definitely top tier as well. He's a shit talker. So he's my favorite. <laughs> ah, I see. I see what's going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you guys think of like, we saw a little bit of um, a series like uh, sword style, a little earlier in the season, but what you guys think about it after seeing her like just going ham for 20 minutes? I mean, only, only a bad bitch like her can, you know, uh, uh, handle a sword like that, bro. Like, come on, <laughs> that's just wild. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know if we can call it a sword at this point. It's a whip with, with, uh, with yeah. blades on it. <laughs> like she doesn't use it like a sword at all. She uses like a full on whip. Mm -hmm. She's just slinging that thing around. Uh, I, I thought it was really cool. She's like a, Felt like a, like a hack and slash character um, from like a video game, and it was it was cool to see. Oh, she be button mashing, dude. Oh, a hundred percent. Them combos going nuts. <laughs> what did you guys think about her flashback? Compare, I guess I want to say her flashback, but compared to some of the other ones we've had, I wasn't the biggest fan of it. Like the fact that her motivation, I just what? What? Yeah. It this wasn't was my favorite new. one. Really? Yes, Demon Slayer. They this have they have their they have their formula for backstories. <laughs> Happy family, demon kills family, resentment become Hashira. Yeah, and I like that. Uh, it's great. <laughs> it's fantastic. But you, it's just every single character. Um, so this was refreshing for me. I okay. just thought it was really cool. Um, and the reason I thought it was cool because like. One, she started off very confident and like her physical strength and she could eat a lot. She was beating grown men in, in arm wrestling because of her muscle density. But then she had to start worrying about like finding a husband and she got let go of, I guess, in her arranged marriage. And then she kind of like tried to hide herself. But then she joined, she, she sought out the Demon Slayer court because she wanted to be strong. She wanted to be herself. Yeah, she's looking for a partner, um, as most people do anyway. But I thought it was more of a journey of her accepting herself and not caring so much about what other people think, which I think is a, a very important thing to do in life. That's why I liked it. I can do that. I was just oh. looking for more tragicness. 
It's Demon Slayer, dude. What's tragic, it's Demon man? Slayer. It should be tragic. Oh my why, god. Why? Why? It's tragic for these men, bro. They they, they turning away dog. something like that. Come on now, shit. <laughs> in in feudal Japan, dude, in the Taisho era, you do not want your kids having pink and green hair like that. I totally get it, dude. That's a very traditional fucking place. Sure, sure, but it's also Mitsuri, and she's a badass, bad bitch, extraordinaire. Three words. I guess they had to see her be a bad bitch because she's probably trying to contain that in the interviews, you know. Yeah, that's yeah. Un- that, which is unfortunate, and that's why I thought it was so great. You know, she kind of finally said, fuck it. I'm going to be me and I'm going to find somebody who's going to accept it. And go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I'm with Bass on this one. This is one of, this is my favorite, probably backstory just because it's different and does all the things that Bass said. Plus, you know, Mitsuri, bro. Come on now. (laughs) It's Mitsuri, the love Hashira. I liked, I like Tokito's backstory more than this one, honestly. I thought it was crazy. Dude, his backstory has so much more like not just tragicness, but it was like depth. Him, it was de- it, it was very depth. deep. This was kind of like I don't want to say shallow besides like two emotional things about her finding herself, but that was it. It didn't have all the, you know, everything else you usually have the Demon Slayer backstory. That's just my opinion though. Yeah, that's true. Um uh, yeah, but the you know, I guess I liked it for the reasons that you don't like it. <laughs> you think, know, so it's think- personal preference. I think as well, it also went up against like the, you know, Japan, like ideology of, you know, how women should be, too. So I think it really combated that uh, her character did. So they're trying to tell the children to be themselves, Dan. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm not saying it was bad I'm at just, all. It was great. I'm just saying <laughs> I, I, I preferred the blood and gore in dead families. <laughs> yeah. Well, you was- know. As your uh, as your DJ and slice of life uh, expert over here, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I'm gonna pick Mitsuri's backstory. It's right up my alley. So yeah, I I love this shit. It it, it sh- like it gave her a different motivation to like be there, and it gave it a little bit deeper one. So she's unique in that way. She's unique in her sto- sword style. So that like that parallels. Uh, I thought it was good storytelling. Is what I thought, um, and what I think. And we also learned that. She's been fucking holding back. <laughs> she says, you know, after she gets so she goes on to get hit by that like sonic electric blast because she thought that was like the main body of the demon. And it doesn't rip her to shreds and hatred's like, yo, what the fuck? And that's where we get some of our backstory. Then afterwards, she was like, oh, you guys are OK with me just like going full out. She's like, OK, cool. I didn't want you guys to think I was a demon. <laughs> that's so cool bro that's so she's so awesome I, I, i'm i'm really she's one of my favorite characters already fuck this it clean fighting style great backstory and uh just just a bad bitch just a hey, bad bitch extraordinaire she she's she's doing you know bad bitch things taking down hard as hell demons with a smile on her face so is this I, is she the strongest hashira we've seen so far probably she, she's like low diffing this motherfucker I mean, I I don't know if Tokido uh, could do the same shit, but I feel like uh, she's definitely a better match for a hatred. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I was just, I guess, I mean, Tokito, once he kind of unlocked his potential and realized who he was and he got his memories back, he just low diffed the fuck out of Upper Moon 5. So I yeah, don't know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He, it was like, it was like literally like, She's been fighting for 20 minutes. Tokito just did that shit in one. He's like, oh, bye. You're dead. He's laughing she, the whole time. Like, I don't know. We haven't even seen her turn up yet, though. 
we we saw a little bit about her uh her a little bit yeah weird demon mark which kind of resembles Tanjiro's mark as well as Tokido's mark kind of popped up so you're like oh maybe she's got a little of that uh sun breathing genetics in her as well hers seemed a little different to me and then hatred also said it he, uh he was like that seems like a demon um he didn't call it a mark he said i forget the word he used uh demon's crest which is interesting i, I really do wonder what the deal is with that i, I hope we get some 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 story on that before and i guess we have what one more episode right the 70 minute episode yeah 70 minutes so i hope they elaborate on that um i think she's gonna go ahead and piece up hatred and the uh the other gang over there is gonna go ahead and track down uh on tengu i don't know if they're gonna actually get it done themselves but i hope i really really hope they get into that because they kind of hid that from us until the last few minutes of this episode what do you what do you think is gonna happen like what do you think is gonna take 70 minutes to cover i thought we it seemed like we're at the end of uh, this uh, encounter. Do you think something surprising is going to happen, or do you think they're going to like try to set up the next season too? Oh, they'll set up the next season. I mean, they always do a good job of doing that. I mean, seventy minutes is the equivalent of it's about three episodes. Three and yeah, a half. three three episodes. So I mean, like when they air this on TV in Japan, it's going to be an hour and a half. So, like, we're basically getting a movie to end it, which will be really exciting. So, they're really going to crank up the animation on this, I feel like. Oh, I don't know what they're going to do, though, is what I'm saying. Uh, I think, I, I think, uh, just to answer your question, is one, they're going to, I mean, they got to finish off the demons. I think they're going to go into Mitsuri's mark a little bit and why she's so freakishly strong and has that muscle density. Um, I, maybe she got touched by a demon when she was younger or her mom did when, when she was pregnant. I think they're going to go into that, and then I think they're going to set up the next season. I can see that lasting 70 minutes. Yeah. Oh, I mean, just the fight alone. I mean, like I said, I've said in the past, I don't know if this is the last form that we're going to see from Hantengu. So I don't think so. I think we're going to get a big bad form, big baddie. And final boss, final boss status, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, uh, our boy is done with the sword, right? Um, uh, Mr. Haganazuka, he's done with the sword. Maybe we get to see... Uh, um, Sandro actually take it and do something with it. I don't know. I really hope so. Actually, that sword got introduced in what the second episode or the end of the first? Uh, it's the first couple episodes for sure. Yeah, so. I want to. I want to see that thing get swung around a little bit. You can't hype oh, yeah. it up that much and like just not give me anything for a whole season on it. Yeah, we have to. I mean, Tanjiro getting the sword of the last sun-breathing user in the Demon Slayer core probably going to take him up to a whole nother level. I think we're going to be seeing like Hashira Tanjiro come into play right here, you know, like that level of ability. So I'm hoping it's not I mean, as much as we all love Mitsuri. I'm hoping Tanjiro kind of gets his, his moment as well in this season. He finale. should. He should. His, his skills have grown exponentially. I think that sword is going to step at a, a level, and there is a is a uh, open slot for the fire Hashira. So, I think we, we might see that. We might see that this season. I kind of think that uh, he's not going to be able to cut Hantengu's head, the main Hantengu, until he gets the sword. That's what I think they're trying to do with it. Yeah, it could be that the sword breaks on his neck because it's so tattered. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what all comes into play and how they actually set up the next season so yeah so banger episode boys mystery is a boss a boss uh, <laughs> but you guys want to get to one piece 
Let's do it. Sweet, sweet, sweet. So, guys, we have One Piece episode 1065. This is a mouthful. The destruction of the Alliance. Fire up the will of the new generation. Holy shit. Um, <laughs> as the Raider, as the Oshigama, Oshi, Onigashima. Onigash, as the Onigashima raid carries on, <laughs> Captain Kid, Law, and the other Raiders are growing a little bit weary and tired. So Big Mom starts to get a little disrespectful, and it does cost her in this episode. But before all that, uh, the episode opens up with Rizo completely on fire, but, you know, stoic Rizo and uh, Odin's retainers. He's not releasing the paralyzing jutsu, and he's just kind of sticking it out. Um, it was a little short scene, but I, I always like seeing that type of thing out of Odin's retainers. They're very, very stoic. Uh, I think they're really cool that way. It, sometimes it's funny because they'll pretend like they're not hungry or something like that, and their <laughs> stomach will be growling. But this was actually a little bit more serious. Um, him holding that pose, just standing in the middle of some flames, uh, willing to go down with the ship. One thing I th- I didn't like about this episode, it kind of switched to Chopper after this uh, on like the performance floor. He went back to his normal form in like a snap. What did y'all did y'all have any thoughts about that or? Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give Oda a pass on this one just because like <laughs> how many forms for Chopper does he have now? Like nine, eight, whatever it's at. Like he doesn't need to animate another one. You know, it's magic. <laughs> it's it's the magic part of the Rumble Ball, dude. Leave it at that. You know. Okay. 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 <laughs> Yeah, I thought he would like get better over time, or he would like to say, oh, "Well, at least I'm starting to feel better," instead of just like snapping back to normal chopper. But I, I, I get what you're saying. I guess too, if you think about it, though, when he went from monster form to normal chopper, it's not like he just like magically like slowly transformed. It's always just been like a poof. I mean, yeah, yeah. So it's enough. kind of the same thing where he just poofed back to normal because he's a fucking who knows what the fuck's going on with the Hito Hito <laughs> no me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I I thought it was I just thought it was a little odd. Um But then Chopper starts to worry about uh Zoro because they gave him that medicine that uh, heals him up for a period of time. They got that from the um the island of Zo there, their technology, but then he gets doubly as injured afterwards. And we got a really interesting scene out of that. Zoro's on you know, on the side of the building, uh, Onigashima and is like bleeding out pretty heavily. Big pool of blood. And he fucking meets the Reaper boys. That kind of uh, scared me a little bit. Yeah. I, I'm not sure, Dan. Uh, was this in the manga? Oh, yeah. This was heavily talked about okay. in the manga. This was heavily talked about, like, uh, in the one piece while, So I, I just didn't remember. I was like, bro, what's going on here? Is this new? But no, so they been a while. There was a lot of consideration of is this in Zoro's head or is this literally happening? Yeah. And once you kind of watch an animator, you're like, oh, okay, like the scenery changed. This is all in his fucking head. Zoro's just lost so much blood. He's delirious. Right. So that's what that scene was. I mean, it like, because when it was in the manga, it didn't have all of like, obviously, there's no color changes in black and white. Mm hmm. And it just like showed a giant ass Grim Reaper in the background. You're like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> but the fact that they animated it with like all the like the figure coming together and becoming the Reaper essentially, it was like, okay, this is this is this is in his head. We're good. We know what's going on now. <laughs> yeah, um, it's still wild, nonetheless, though. Yeah, I, I think 
it kind of looked like Brooke to me, and I thought it was <laughs> that funny that way because it's, it's a skeleton man. So how many way, how many different ways are you gonna draw it? But I was like, hey, here's Brooke. He thinks Brooke's coming for him. <laughs> <laughs> the Reaper's just up there with the with the scythe. Yo ho ho ho! Oh, you beat me to it. <laughs> May I see your panties? Same old shit from our man. <laughs> but yeah, after that, um, we kind of went to a, a, a pr- another pretty crazy scene. This was it jumped around a lot. This episode, there was like no main focus. It didn't seem like, and we saw another one of uh, Odin's retainers, Izo, uh, struggling. He gets stabbed in the abdomen, and is also bleeding out. Everybody's tiring out pretty quickly. It seems like. Uh, He's been beaten and stabbed, and then he runs into CP0, and they're like, you know what? Normally, we, we, we just kill you, but <laughs> let's, let's meet another time. Um, we got some things we need to do ourselves, and I'm sure we'll run into you at some point. We will be coming after you. You've committed a lot of crimes. But Izo says, hey, man, I need to talk to you for a second. Y'all got, y'all got a moment? And they turn around and they're like, what, what do you want? And then it like cuts away, so I'm really interested to see what they're talking about and what, what he wants to know. I know I, you guys probably know, but it, it, that's a, that's a really big cliffhanger for me. I don't think it's so much as he wants to talk about something. He just, he just knows that, you know, he just put his life online to kind of help straw hat and them. Mm-hmm. And he can't just let CB zero just walk past him without trying to stop them because they're going after straw hat. So what, what kind of man would he be from the white beard? pirates you know and you know uh uh odin's retainers uh if he just let them walk past him without trying to stop them so interesting okay i thought he was gonna ask them some questions about no, something you he, he, he gonna ask them some questions all right <laughs> <laughs> stand their ass down get okay. back to where they belong gotcha. yeah if, if, if the question he's gonna be asking is the from the gun in his left hand and the gun in his right you know we might be getting those kind of questions <laughs> i honestly don't remember um, i don't either but <laughs> so it, it'll be interesting to see um but yeah Izo is just dude he's a fucking badass yeah he's on his last legs and he's, he's trying to solo these fucking guys and they're no joke we've seen it definitely and from there this is like like bass said this is an episode that bounces around a lot um it's kind of one of the i don't want to call it a filler episode because it's obviously not filler it's but like it was what like, we seen the other day. We were like kind of like recapping shit, you know. Yeah, I wouldn't or, even say recapping. It's, it's just so many parts of the story that you need to progress, and without like, there's just not enough for like an entire episode or chapter on it. So they're just bouncing around. Yeah. Um. From there, we move on to the scene with Yamato finally making it to the armory, and you'll never guess who else makes it there. You know, it's obviously Kanzenbo, <laughs> the giant ass fire spirit. Thing Mabob, you know, Orochi's or the um Orochi's will, I guess if you want to call it. And uh, you know, Yamato with her ice abilities just basically freezes the entire how would you armory. So that was pretty much all that happened there. Like she starts going at it with Kazenbo, but nothing no closure there. Um yeah, you guys I, like that scene? I wasn't sure about what she was going to do once she got down there. So that was, that was cool to see. I didn't know she could just like free shit. To be honest. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, we knew she had ice powers because, uh, you know, I think we talked about it, um, uh, on our devil fruit episode. And, uh, I was, I think I said something about it, uh, a little while ago. Um, uh, 
about what she's going to do. Like, is she going to use her ice powers to stop it? But it's not going to stop it for long, though. It's just going to melt it, I feel like. So. Yeah, well, wet bombs don't blow up like dry bombs do, so. I mean, it's still going to blow up, though. Yeah. I don't <laughs> Maybe. know. I mean, it's, I don't know. It's, it, it's. I mean, with the size of Kinzenbo and the heat that that thing can put off, I mean, it should flash dry for everything pretty quick. But that's what I was. Yeah, I was just about to go down that lane, but we'll have to see what happens. They they did look like leave us on a cliff with that one. But uh, I'm pretty sure Yamato she can use hockey. Yeah, she's like a very advanced hockey user. Right? Yeah, she has, she has conquerors hockey. So, mm-hmm. uh, she she went after it with her uh, her bat. So I'm. Pretty sure she would be able to uh, make contact with it, right? You would think with hockey. I don't know because it's not a logia. So in that sense, I have no. I don't remember. I have yeah. no clue how she beats this thing. Yeah, I don't remember either. Well, I do actually. So <laughs> thank you for not spoiling us. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna say though. I remember though. But yeah, we also got a little scene with Jinbei helping some of the um, samurai out. Basically telling them to get out of the fire, go that way. It's it's not on fire over there. Um, Jinbei's standing pretty close to the fire, though. You know, him being a fisherman, I would thought that, you know, since he's of the sea, maybe he would be a little more weak to fire, but I guess not. I feel like he should be. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he's not wet, so, like, I don't know. You know, you put fish near fire, they cook, in my opinion. <laughs> right. Oh. And, like, you know, if you're, if you're a fish man, you're supposed to be in, like, water. And if you're in fire, I feel like you know, with like any other like marine animal, even like marine mammals, they as soon as they get out of the water, they're on a timer. You know, they, their well, skin needs to be at least like somewhat moist. Yeah, not with fishmen though. Fishmen have lungs; they can breathe air. So they're like so, the, so, they're so hybrid dolphins. To be to be fair though, uh, to be fair, to be yeah, to be fair. I mean, though, I don't know. Uh, there's fishmen that are on pirate ships all the time. You know, so like they're not just jumping in the water for no reason. They have to fight. So I don't know. Jinbei, he does pull water out of the air, you know, quite a bit, does he not? So he maybe, maybe he's like keeping himself cool, like in a, like a coat of water. In See, those that's situations. my whole point is like when, when you're that close to flames and there's flames everywhere, there is no water in the air. Well, he, if he can just pull it out of the air at any time, then why, you know, but why if not? There's now? like a. If there's a fire, it vaporizes all the water in the air into steam. That's what I'm saying, and that's why I think he should be getting hurt. That's why you see, like, if uh, if you see, like, very white smoke at a fire, it's because the wood is releasing all the steam from it. Yeah, but maybe he's got something, like, in his pocket or something, bro. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> it's Jinbei, bro. He's number, he's number three, right? Yeah, he's number three. So maybe he's just a badass, and that's all yeah. we need to leave that at. <laughs> but we come up to probably the most important I, I don't want to sidebar that any further because we don't fucking know <laughs> but we do come up to the biggest uh part of the episode i think and we see uh big mom going at it with kid and law again and uh big mom got a little cocky you know she had him ko'd uh their crews were going to come in and try and support them and big mom just laughs like what the fuck are you gonna do you guys are weak <laughs> and says i'm gonna go to the roof and me and Kaido are going to finish off Straw Hat. And that kind of brings out some new determination from Kid and Law. And I mean, especially from Kid, because Kid doesn't give a fuck about Luffy in the sense of, you know, it's not like him and Law or with Law and Luffy, they have like a great relationship. Right. 
Kid and Law are just there in an alliance because they're like, hey, we have a common goal. And honestly, Kid wants to take down Kaido. He doesn't want Luffy to do it. But I think he kind of understands the situation and says, like, we can't let you get there. And we get, you know, Law coming out with his awakened devil fruit again using the old Kroom. And Shock Willie's that bitch again. So that was fucking <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I thought that was a really cool scene. I, I thought it was like more like Kid just didn't want to get disrespected like that. And then Law was actually trying to help Luffy is, is, is how I took it. Um, because if, if somebody just like in the middle of you fighting them is like, yeah, bro, you ain't got it. And just walks away. You'd be like, yo, what the fuck? So <laughs> that's what I thought he was. That's what I, the timing I thought he was on. Especially if someone with an ego like Kid has, bro. His ego's huge. You know, mm hmm. hundred thousand percent right there. Um, I, you know, a lot of people didn't like Big Mom as a young Yonko um, back in Whole Cake Island. I thought she was really cool. I thought she kind of like fit her environment and like who she was supposed to be. But now kind of seeing her fight again and like kind of just turning her back without finishing an enemy. I'm starting to like not like her as like a, a character. Right. Um, I mean, she's cocky, though. You know, that's cocky, who she is. But like. We've seen her kill people for damn near nothing. Why would she not finish off her opponent now other than for plot? Sorry, you, said the, you, you said the magic four-letter word. Sorry, yeah. Goda. <laughs> <laughs> the magic four-letter word. That's, yeah. that's what it is. I mean, but in a sense, if she thought they were knocked out, I mean, like, you really going to kill someone when they're knocked out when it's like pirates she, and prod and stuff like that? So I don't know. She's a fucking pirate. Yeah, bro. Yeah, she would. That's right up her alley. She's cruel as shit. That's the, only, true. the only thing I can see is maybe, you know, uh, she, you know, like like you said, knocked them out. And she was like, well, you know, while they're, you know, down here just laying around, I'm going to go up here and help Kato since he hasn't finished his business yet. And if I we can, you know, kill Luffy, then, you know, we can stop all this shit. We can just nip it in the bud, you know. So I feel yeah. I feel like that's. Um, other than plot, I, th I feel like that could be a reasoning behind her decisions. Yeah, it's leading us to a very exciting episode, which is why we're getting a break, a break next week is because they're going to put a lot of time and effort into this episode, which is why there is a delay or they already have. Mm -hmm. So this is why there's a delay. Um, and I would like to bring up a few things about the next episode. This is actually going to be the first episode of a Japanese anime ever directed by an American animator. I don't know if you guys knew that. Oh, no, did no. not. That's news to me. And he's he hyped it up on Twitter and he had a tweet and it was basically. What was it? Uh, just to be clear, that means for one episode, I am in charge. Of the auras, <laughs> their size, their color, rainbow, if I want it, anything, anything <laughs> at all. And then he said about a whole like evil laugh after that so i think we're gonna see some pretty colors in the next fight i know we haven't been a big fan of the, the auras but if it's anything like that last scene we had with big mom and kid in law where they had the crazy colors on it i'm here for that yeah yeah like the it was damn near a steel shot and i was cool with that but when it gets to the point where you can't really tell what's going on um like with that luffy and kaido fight i think it was a couple of months ago now uh i don't like that i don't think many yeah. people did but yeah, if you can just give her some cool colors and make it look good at the same time, I'm 100% with that shit. Definitely. But I'm very excited to see an anime produced by an American. That That's a first, and that'll be really exciting. Yeah, it, this is going to be great. As, as Americans. 
especially for an episode of this caliber, bro. Like it's, I'm, I'm really expecting a lot out of this one. So yeah, make oh, us yeah. proud. Make us proud. Awesome. Is that all we got for One Piece? Uh, like, like he said, we are getting a break. I think it's actually a recap. Um, I thought it was a break, but at the end of the episode, they said recapping big fights next week. So it's probably going to be like a Zoro pre Zoro kind of thing going on. So. so, so it'll be a recap of kid in law. Okay. Probably it said recapping big fights, blah, blah, blah at the end. So, all right. Uh, but. no worries, but awesome. Well, we appreciate you guys hanging out for this week's weekly rundown. Uh, if you guys are watching these shows, let us know in Discord at linktree.com slash anime to find our Discord and all our socials. And we'll catch you on Thursday for the Anime Degens podcast. Thank you. Later.